has been the longest sermon series I've ever done. Started all the way back in February. And then uh, we had a pandemic and an interruption, and now here we are at the end of September and we get to finish it up together. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians uh, for a few months in the spring and then again now two months in the fall. And what we're going to see this morning as we read the last four verses of Ephesians together, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, what we're going to see is that Paul is taking one more opportunity to reinforce the themes that he has been emphasizing throughout the letter from beginning to end, talking about the peace and the love and the grace of God that comes with the Holy Spirit's presence and that comes with the kingdom as, uh, as Jesus uh, is Lord of our lives. And also giving one more final example as uh, building on chapter 5, verse 1, where he called the Ephesians to follow God's example. He gives one more personal example of this the, in, the, in the person, the individual Tychicus. So that's what we're going to see this morning as we end this series in Ephesians. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I expect that for most of us, the name Tychicus is not a memorable one. But somehow, for me, it is. Uh, And here's the story why. Maybe you'll remember too. When I was in high school one summer, my Aunt Katie came to live with us for a month. And Katie has Down syndrome. And she was living at that point full-time with another aunt and uncle. And she was coming to us for a month to give them a bit of respite time. And my Aunt Kaylee, who has Down syndrome, loved nothing more and she was a pretty short lady, is a pretty short lady. Um, she loved nothing more than coming up to me and sticking her fingers close to my armpits and saying, ticklish. And uh, over the course of the summer, my dad, who's a minister, was doing a sermon series in Acts. And somehow, ticklish became tychicus. And at least in, my, at least in our house. And so every time I hear the name tychicus, which is not that often, um, I think of my Aunt Katie, and I think of the beautiful, simple acts of love and peace uh, that that were involved with spending time with her. The truth is that we don't know that much about Tychicus, which is why, as a person, he doesn't come up all that often. The first, we we meet or hear of Tychicus twice in the New Testament. Once uh, is here in Ephesians, uh, which is the second time. The first time Tychicus is introduced is in the Acts of the Apostles. Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, writes the Acts of the Apostles and follows especially Peter and Paul around in their missionary work and Paul's missionary journey. And on Paul's second missionary journey, Paul comes to the city of Ephesus. And uh, upon leaving Ephesus, Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 20 that Paul left with about five or six people from Ephesus and the surrounding areas. And these people became followers of the way of Jesus and disciples of the Apostle Paul. 
And one of those people was Tychicus, who followed Paul on the rest of his second missionary journey. And now, years later, Paul says in the, uh, in, in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, now I'm sending Tychicus back to you. Tychicus gets to go home. So this young man who had gr- probably grown up and spent a good deal of his life in Ephesus, or at least in, in the area around Ephesus, now is returning home. But he's returning home with the responsibility and the authority that the Apostle Paul has entrusted to him. He's not just returning home as as someone who is known and loved by the Ephesians, although that's true, but he now has the responsibility of carrying this letter that Paul has written, of answering questions that the Ephesians have, questions about the letter, questions about Paul and his companions and how, how they are doing. And also, being a faithful example to the Ephesians, so that not only by his words, but also by his actions, Tychicus will demonstrate to the Ephesians what it means to follow Jesus. Tychicus returns home with the responsibility and authority that God has entrusted to him and that Paul has entrusted to him. So I wonder this morning with you, What authority and what responsibility has God given you? I think in my life of the people who have been the faithful encouragers to me. One of them is Mark Verbruggen, who uh, when I went to college for the first time, he was a pastor at a local church in Sioux Center, and I was just a nobody student. And he found out that I was looking for a church. And so uh, we got to talking and he said, hey, why don't you come out for coffee with me this Thursday? And so we did that and we had a nice time. And he said, that was really nice. Let's do it again next Thursday. And the next Thursday, he said, this was really meaningful. Let's do it again the following Thursday. And, and what started was about four years where almost every Thursday, Mark and I went out to Casey's Bakery and had a cup of coffee together. Mark showed me the peace and love and grace of God not just by his words, but by his actions, by the time that he spent, by the willingness he had to use his authority as a minister to speak truth into my life and to take the responsibility to answer some of the questions that I had, to listen to me and help me wrestle through my life in college. Following that example and the example of many others along the way, Kaylee and I have tried with our life group that gathers together every Thursday or every other Friday evening to share some of the responsibility and authority that God has given us with people that God has given us to care about. And so on a regular basis, every other week or so, we have people over to our home and we share, follow the, uh, the example of Acts. We do our best to dedicate ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to be, being obedient to that to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. And we do that not not perfectly. And we're not talking about deep theological things every evening. But we do it out of a desire to use the responsibility and the authority that God has given us in a way that honors God and in a way that brings the peace and the love and the grace of the kingdom to bear in our home, in our neighborhood, and in our world. It's our... Uh, or one part of our imperfect uh, way that we're putting into practice 
our desire to follow God's example. What has God entrusted you with? Are you willing to follow God's example, Paul's example, even Tychicus's example? People, I think, who follow the example of God are, without exception, a blessing to those around them. And probably each of you, probably all of us, have examples or stories like mine of the kinds of people who have intentionally taken the time and energy and money and, and, and given of themselves in generous, in loving, in faithful ways to encourage me, to encourage you, to encourage us as a community. And we're thankful for those people, aren't we? We're not thankful because they were perfect, because they certainly weren't. And we're not thankful because they're famous, because probably most of the people who have been most impactful to us aren't a household name the way that Paul is a household name. They're more a name like Tychicus, a name that's hard to say and that you have to tell a very long and complicated story to to get to the point. And yet, this is how God makes his kingdom grow. Not by trying to find a few famous people to, to preach the gospel to the whole world all at once, but rather by bringing along many, many individuals, people whose stories will never fully know, the people who give their life and everything in it imperfectly out of love for God and love for neighbor, to bring the peace and love, to bring the grace and favor of the kingdom of God to bear on the lives of other ordinary people. That's how the kingdom grows. And when we encourage each other, when we allow ourselves to be encouraged by others, then we begin to experience the peace and love of God. Not just to hear it talked about, but to really internalize it. Then we begin to experience the grace and favor of God, not just talked about on a Sunday morning, but given to us and shown to us through the simple acts of obedience of other ordinary people in our shared uh, everyday lives. This past week, I saw a picture of this that I thought was poignant, and so I wanted to share it with you. A picture of the, the kingdom of God coming in our broken world. This is the picture. And there's a story, obviously, that goes along with this picture. This picture was uh, posted by a, a radio station on their social media in, in the UK. And said so this man wanted to jump off a bridge in London, and he was talked down by absolute strangers who proceeded to hold him for an hour until help arrived to get him down safely. And the, the radio station made this comment. They said, look at that grip. Look at that care, compassion, selflessness, and determination shown by complete strangers to a hurting human being. Somebody's even got a rope around him, I think. It's a beautiful picture to me of the, the love of, strang- the love of a strangers for another stranger. And I, the, part of the beauty of this story, I think, is that even though this story has gotten out there and obviously made it across the pond all its way to me and now to you, 
But even though this story is out there, we'll probably never know the names of any of those people. And it, and it almost doesn't matter, right? The, the story itself is more powerful and more meaningful than the names of any of those individuals who are a part of it. And that's also true for the church. That's also true in the kingdom of God. That we don't bring love and kindness and, and grace to others so that we'll become famous or our names will be known. As Christians, we do it so that God's name will be known. So that his, king, his kingdom, the power, the presence, the love, the grace, the joy, the peace of his kingdom, so that that will be made known. So that when people hear stories about what we are doing as individuals or what we are doing as a community, they wouldn't say, wow, what a great group of people. But they would say, wow, what a, what a God. What a Savior. I want to know him. I want to be a part of that story. Just like I think so many of us, when we look at that picture, say, wow, I would have loved to be a part of what happened on that bridge. I'd love to be a part of that story. This is the beautiful thing, albeit the strange thing, about the kingdom of God. That God doesn't use superstars or superheroes to build his kingdom. God doesn't even do it by himself. God clearly is, has the power and the ability to overcome sin all by himself, to bring his kingdom and his power to bear all by himself. And yet he chooses to partner with broken people like us. He chooses to use the imperfect obedience of people like Tychicus, people who are faithful in the everyday things that God has given us to be faithful about, even if the world never hears the full story. God's victory, the, kingdom of, the victory of the kingdom of God, comes through us. It begins with individual acts of obedience, and it matures into a community that shares with God his mission to seek and save the lost. As we close this morning, I want to close with a quote from what I think is a great sci-fi franchise, The Lord of the Rings. It's from the movies. The purists will tell you it's not from the books, but it's still a good quote. And if you don't know anything about The Lord of the Rings, there's uh, Gandalf, this white wizard, fighting with a good team of of elves and dwarves and uh, hobbits, fighting against evil. And one of the evil characters is a, a dark wizard called Saruman. And so this is, here's the quote. Saruman believes that it's only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I have found that it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folks that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. As we consider life in the kingdom of God, and as we close this series on Ephesians, I think it's worth closing with the reminder that that's how God builds his kingdom. Not with great and overwhelming force, but with small acts of kindness and love that encourage us 
and that point others to our King. And so in just a moment, we're going to stand. I'll make you put your masks back on. And we're going to sing, Build Your Kingdom Here. And as we do that, I just want to encourage you to reflect, whether you're singing or, or just internalizing the word, just reflect on how God might want to build his kingdom really here. And not just here in this place, but here in your heart, here in your everyday life, in your job, in your relationships, in, uh, in your passions, in your play. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we want you to build your kingdom here. Forgive us for thinking that it's only the big, the, the popular, the famous deeds that build your kingdom. Remind us and encourage us that you value the simple acts of ordinary people like us. Show us, Lord, how we might use the authority and the responsibilities that you have given us at home, in the workplace, among friends, even in our passions and in our free time. How we might use the authority and the responsibility that you've given us to encourage others, to strengthen them, to build them up, and to testify, God, to your great name. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, we're going to uh, close our service by singing Build Your Kingdom Here. So if you're able, please stand and we'll sing together.